This is the short answer question breakdown, where I will walk you through how many questions, your timing, talk about stimulus types, and a few other tips to help you get into the short answer question and make sure that you get the score that you want. For the short answer, what we have to remember from the overview is that there you're going to be answering three questions in 40 minutes. And there are different types of questions that the uh, College Board is going to give you to answer with different kinds of stimuli, but you're also going to have a little bit of choice. So let's go ahead and break it down. The types of questions that you're going to see are going to be more stimulus-based, uh, just like you saw in the multiple choice. So you're going to have an excerpt from a published document. You may have a political cartoon, a map, a chart, a graph. Um, you might even have a piece of art. Uh, but the one that is also very uh, often used in the SAQs um, is the two different excerpts from two different historians that have got opposing views. So you may have somebody like someone from a member of the Catholic Church during the Reformation and then John Calvin or Martin Luther, and they will intentionally um, you know, juxtapose those two types of people with each other so that you guys can get a good, um, a, a good answer that asks you to either compare or contrast the two different styles and the two different people and take a look at their views just to check to make sure that you are you know, tracking with what was going on during the time period they chose for that stimulus type. Usually the first question is going to definitely be some sort of excerpt. Um, this is where you may get just um, one, one author stimulus or the, uh, again, the two historians with two different um, political outlooks. Uh, you are going to have a question. They have historically now always had a question where um, question number one is an excerpt. Question number two is some sort of stimulus, a chart, a graph, a map, um, a piece of artwork, um, or some sort of political cartoon that you're then going to have to analyze. Um, and again, before you kind of, you know, sometimes when we say art, um, those feelings of anxiousness start to creep up on you. But don't let that worry you because a lot of the art that they have to choose has to be able to be deciphered in black and white um, because of the makeup of the test. The test is, in, you know, is, is, is printed on black and white ink. So they have to usually find something that is very clear um, whenever it comes to the artwork on a stimulus type of question. So that usually helps us out because uh, that usually means there may, you know, there, um, it should be very straightforward in what the piece of art is hoping to portray. When you get to the last question, um, there's actually going to be two questions. So you have question number one that's a stimulus, question number two that's going to be some sort of um, political cartoon chart graph map, and then the third question is just going to be straight up words, a question without any kind of stimulus, um, where they just ask you straight up to answer some sort of question that they pose to you. Uh, and the other good news is, is that there is a question three and four. Now, remember, we're only doing three questions on the short answer question. So this is where you guys catch a lucky break because they're going to ask you to choose which question you want to do, question three or question four. And that's kind of nice because, of course, you're going to choose the one that you know the most about. So whenever you're taking a look um, at first uh, and you're getting in, you know, when you first crack open that short answer question book, um, 
instead of questions, you know, scan through the questions. Uh, and definitely when you get to the last one, make sure that you are going, you pick whichever one you think you can do best um, on those uh, on that la on those last two questions. They like to give you something that is a little bit more modern um, and also something that is a little bit more middle of the time period. Um, although, of course, that they don't necessarily, that isn't a hard and fast rule. Uh, but we do see a lot of questions um, in the, at the, towards the end of the short answer questions that kind of creep us into the 20th century. Now that you have an idea about what questions to expect, let's talk about actually executing the short answer questions. Short answer questions are meant to be just that, a short answer. Get straight to the point. Um, go straight for what it exactly it is that they're asking you. Um, and also keep in mind that you do have a, um, a, a space requirement, a space, a space limit on this SAQ, you're not going to be able to write past the one page that they give you for question number one. Um, you'll see in your booklet a line sheet of paper with kind of a faint number one in the background because that one sheet with a line around, a, a box around the outside is all the space you have to answer the three parts to question number one. So whenever you take a look at your first question, you're going to see that there are uh, there. It's usually broken down into questions A, B, and C because every single one of the short answer questions are worth three points apiece. So A, B, and C keeps it very straightforward on how uh, you're going to be scored on the AP exam for short answer questions. The first one is usually going to be um, something to kind of ease you into the question. It's probably going to say either identify and describe, or maybe it'll say both, uh, where you just have to give a little bit of information about whatever it is it's asking you to do. And since this is question number one, it's going to be asking you, you know, what was the author saying when they said, um, you know, and it'll give you a quote from the document and you have to explain what that segment of the stimulus means um, or, or something to that effect. Uh, the second question might kind of up the ante a little bit or it might ask you to give a second piece of evidence from the document. Uh, and the third question, part C, is usually always going to say something like explain. Uh, and just to kind of make sure we have an understanding of what, what words were going to be used. Um, I am going to walk you through this, uh, these words that they use, the difference between identify, describe, and explain. But you're usually going to see on these three questions that um, the first one, again, kind of eases you in. And then as you build towards um, parts B and C, they're going to ask you to be doing just a little bit more with each one of these questions. When you are answering the short answer questions, it is actually encouraged that you use the wording from the question in your answer. Now that sounds maybe kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it actually makes it really easy for the reader to know exactly what it is that you're trying to answer. And by reader, I mean the folks who score the AP exams. So for example, if your question says to describe one way in which the image expresses the idea popularized during the Enlightenment, then you're going to start your answer with 
one way in which the images, the this image pop expresses the idea of enlightenment, then you're going to actually give your um, whatever it is that you're describing. You're actually going to give your answer. So it, it helps to direct the student as to what it is exactly that you are answering, but it also kind of gives a little clue into the reader that, hey, you're answering this question now. But I feel especially for um, students who are doing these under time constraints, obviously, and it's, you know, it's test day and you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're doing everything right, that it really just helps you to kind of focus in on exactly what it is that you should be answering. What should I be doing? I'm describing in a way. Uh, one way in which this image reflects uh, policies of the French Revolution. So one policy this image reflects of the French Revolution is, and then you go and you give your answer. A second thing that you're going to want to do with the short answer question is actually label your answers as A, B, and C. Again, this helps you, the student, by being focused and knowing on the question and knowing exactly which questions you've answered by the time you finish um, that question, but it also does have a benefit for the reader. Uh, but I don't want you to get worried that, oh my gosh, what happens if I answer part B and part C, or if I answer part A and part C, or what if I need to answer some more of part A a little bit later? That all, none of that is 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 going to hurt you at all just because you've labeled your questions as A, B, and C. If you decide after you've answered part of C that or if you finish C, you want to add more to B, no problem. Then put another, you know, write another, um, write another B below your answer C um, and just draw a little arrow under B and say, hey, I'm continuing this. Um, I promise you we will figure it out. Uh, again, your only time, your only constraint is going to be the, so the amount of paper that you have inside the box for question number one. But if you want to add more to your answer to B, that is perfectly fine. And again, if you accidentally answer part B, uh, or part your if you answer question A and part B, or if you answer part B and part C, we still count it. Um, so the labeling does not penalize you at all. It just helps you stay focused to know where you are at in answering the questions. Um, and there is actually a little bit of an upside um, to uh, us as readers as well. So always label parts A, B, and C. And now my final piece of advice for how to pass the short answer section of the AP Euro exam. We're going to walk you through the common types of words that they're going to use in the questions and what exactly you need to do in order to earn the points for the AP exam. First of all, the three common words that they like to use are identify, describe, and explain identify, describe, and explain. And different um, tests, if you've taken the, human the AP Human Geography test um, or some of the other AP exams, uh, it seems like we all kind of have our own way of doing this. So I want to make sure that you know exactly what AP Euro means whenever it says identify, describe, or explain. 
So usually they're going to say identify and describe at the same time, because what we found over the years as we have taken a look at the answers for um, this, uh, we've taken a look at the answer keys for these questions, um, is that you can't ever just name drop in AP European history. You always kind of have to have a little bit going on with what it is that you're talking about. So a lot of the questions you're going to see in the future will always be, um, will always be phrased as identify and describe, or just the word describe. Um, so for identifying and describing, you're talking about kind of doing um, the minimum amount of work where with explain, you're going to have to do a little bit more and get into some of those historical thinking skills. So whenever you're asked to identify and describe, um, identify would solely just be if it says, you know, identify something from the Reformation, you would just say 95 theses, or you would just be talking about the Council of Trent um, and how, uh, you know, what the Pope's response was um, with the Counter-Reformation to the actual Protestant Reformation. But as we said, uh, we probably aren't going to see just the word identify. You're probably going to see the word identify and describe, or they'll just cut to the chase and say, describe something. Um, describe one way whenever you're looking at these short answer questions. So what you always want to make sure you do whenever, even if it's a describe question, is you always want to give a little bit of information. Um, if, if they're asking you to describe something that caused the enlightenment, or if they're actually, that's kind of a, that's more of a, it's a little bit more involved as well. But if they're asking you to identify one of the things that the author said in the excerpt that they gave you. Um, you always want to go, you always want to kind of do a little bit of paraphrasing in your own words, explaining, uh, you know, giving a little bit of detail, describing what um, that question, you know, what, what your, how your answer actually answers the question. Instead of just, you know, saying 95 theses, then you may want to actually talk about how it was Martin Luther's critique of what was going on during, um, you know, during the, uh, the, the pre-Reformation, during the Renaissance years and what was going on in the church. Um, so if um, you're asked to describe one of Martin Luther's critiques, this was a, 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 an actual um, short answer question. Um, let's see, I think it's the 2019 question, um, you know, to identify and describe one of Luther's critiques of the, of the Catholic Church during, you know, the 16th century, then you're going to go straight to, you're just going to start talking about indulgences and what he felt about them. That satisfies the requirement for describe. Explain is always going to be getting into just a little bit more information. And like I said earlier, it wants you to really kind of put those, um, those historical thinking skills into practice. So it, when it's talking about explain how, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, and they may actually use these words in the question itself. You're going to be talking about causes and effects and, and similarities to other time periods or, um, just a little bit more, a little bit more connect the dots. How did that particular time period do something important? Um, so it's going to get a little bit more what I call big picture, um, that those rippling effects across time. And the reason why we're talking about this in a history class all these years later uh, was it had a huge impact. So with the explain questions, 
you are going to be doing just a little bit more. And those are worth kind of taking a few, you know, just a few sentences, you know, uh, and uh, my students always ask me, how many sentences Miss Duncan to get the job done? And there isn't a right answer to that question, by the way. Um, it's as many sentences as it takes for you to explain something. Uh, which is not the answer you guys ever want to hear. You want me to just say, oh, do three sentences and you're good to go. Um, but you can do three sentences where you're kind of talking all around a subject and not really explaining it. Or you can do th three really, or even sometimes two really quick sentences that go right to the heart of explaining exactly what um, that question is asking you to explain. So um, if you need to write a few sentences to kind of warm up and get going, then hey, that's not a problem. Like we've pointed out earlier, the only constraint you have is going to be time for the exam, but also that box that you have to write in for question number one. So the questions are always going to kind of start off with maybe an identify and describe. Um, the last question is usually going to be an explain question, um, and you're going to have to do just a little bit more. So with the short answer questions, it's always a good idea to use the question stem um, from the prompt in your question to focus yourself on what exactly it is that you're answering, and then get straight to the question, because as you know, you've only got that little bit of space to answer your question in before you have to move on to the next question or time is called.